You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Things seem to be, you know, trudging along, as we've always liked to say. And, you know, some people have been saying merrily we trudge along. But, you know, is it Groundhog Day? Is it Contagion? I think it's somewhere in between. And it's just some time to talk about some geeky stuff, to lighten the mood and just have some fun and just talk with our friends and everything. So it's pretty cool to be able to be here with, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. You could say we are, this week we are trekking along. We are trekking on May the 4th, as is this recording. So of course, may the 4th be with you. And we're talking and with you, sir. And we're, and we're talking Star Trek. Isn't that appropriate? Of course. <laughs> of course. So I think, you know, we're cross-pollinating here. So it'll be an interesting show to talk about. And, you know, things have been dragging along, as we like to say, and we'd love to hear from you guys. How's everything going with you guys at home? How's, you know, life? How's your friends? How's your family? You know, you guys surviving all this. Please write us, earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We'd definitely love to hear from you guys. We definitely want to hear what you guys have been up to, how you guys are surviving. And, of course, thank you guys for listening, you know kind of like you guys knowing that you guys are out there and you know in this time of podcast love it's pretty darn awesome that we you know have you guys out there and are being able to you know communicate with us and talk to us and everything and you know it's just it's just a good thing and you know it's great to be here with Mr. Mike on every Monday night and if you ever want to join us on the show if you ever want to sit in with us please we're always looking for new people to join with us and we are bringing back the geek seat so folks if you want to take your shot and become legendary you could become a victim in the geek seat and you could have honors higher than most mortal people it's pretty darn awesome all you have to do is write us first station one at esonetwork.com Gosh, we're pushing that, aren't we? That's pretty cool. So we got some great other things going on. We also want to, of course, thank our sponsor for this week. Of course, we're talking about Tifosi. Our friends at Tifosi Sunglasses is a major brand in sports sunglasses, which has expanded into lifestyle eyewears with their $25 Swank series, coming in different colors. And now you can mix and match the lenses and frames in the Tifosi Custom Shop, so you'll be able to Get a pair that is totally unique for thousands of possible combinations. Also available are custom blue light fitting gaming glasses, and they're pretty darn awesome. It's perfectly great right now, especially with so much TV that people are watching or video games or that people are playing. It's just it's just awesome to you know have the blue filter so it doesn't put eye strain. That means you can play more games or watch more TV and binge watch more stuff like Picard which we're talking about tonight. It's pretty darn awesome. You probably have already have a pair of sunglasses, but you can never have too many shades. At $25 for the Swank series, it's easy to make your pair Tifosi, and you'll never go back on anything else. Use the code ESO Network at checkout for 10% of your order. All orders help support the ESO Network. All you go to do is go to TifosiOptics.com. You know? With the with the Fosi sunglasses, 
you'll be the hit of the town. I got a pair. I actually had somebody come up to me the other day. I was at the store with Judy. I was wearing my face mask, but I had my Tifosi sunglasses on. And they were like, <laughs> that is pretty darn awesome. And I said, thank you. And so I told them where I got them from. And I said, they're Tifosi. And so it's pretty darn cool. Not too bad at all. So with Tifosi, you know, out of the way now, and thank you to the folks with Tifosi to sponsor us. We do appreciate us. And, you know, they haven't said, no, don't sponsor us anymore. So, you know, we're not your sponsors anymore. So I guess they like what we're doing for them. So hopefully some of our ESO listeners are liking some sunglasses. Of course, we also want to say thank you for Patreon. And we have a brand new show on Patreon. That's right. For Patreon subscribers exclusively, there's a brand new show. It's called the ESO Board Silly. That's right, folks. It's a brand new monthly podcast that is available only to Patreon listeners. And it's all levels of Patreon. From a dollar up, you can hear the ESO board crazy. And it's just members of the ESO board being goofy and talking about various things. This time, of course, we had to be a little more serious for our first episode to introduce ourselves. But also, of course, talking all about, you know, what's going on with Corona and how we're handling it. So, you know, give us a listen. You never know what we're going to talk about each week. You know, there is no set script. It's just, boom, we're going to just talk about whatever's on our mind. And speaking about what's on our mind, let's do some rants and raves. And we mentioned earlier in the show that it is May the 4th. So, folks, may the 4th be with you. Ta-da. And then I thought you were going to talk about No, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll play the theme, so it'll be cool. <laughs> so... Star Wars time. And, you know, usually there's big celebrations. Star Wars celebration actually is usually right about this time. And there's, you know, it it depends on where it's located and stuff and what they have going on. But, you know, they usually make a lot of Star Wars announcements and such. And they did today actually make a few different announcements. But also what they did was they brought to a close a very long-running Star Wars cartoon called The Clone Wars. The final episode was released on Disney Plus today. And so this last season was amazing because this literally ties into the into episode three of Star Wars. The, what was it? Revenge of the Sith. And it was really interesting. You know, the last few episodes, because this season mostly all focused for the second half of it on Ahsoka. And it was just pretty amazing to see what happens with her because you know she pops up in Rebels, correct, Mike? Yes. And there's rumor going around that she is going to be appearing for the first time live action in Mandalorian Season 2, which is coming in October now, we've been announced. So it's pretty darn awesome. Yeah, and it, I think I don't think it was any coincidence that uh, you know um, the sort of the last storyline of the season not only uh, dealt with events that were happening in uh, Revenge of the Jedi, uh, but also um, sorry, Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah, um, sorry. Um, um, or um, but it also had the Mandalorians in it. So uh, you know, it talked about uh, dealt with what was going on with the Mandalorian homeworld. And that has certain effects that we're probably going to see uh, play out uh, in the Mandalorian series as well. So, so there was a way to wrap up Clone Wars, 
in a more satisfying way than they had before um, and uh, and also sort of uh, tie in to some stuff that Dave Filoni, who works on both shows, uh, with the uh, new series Mandalorian. So, and yes, I think uh, uh, taking looking at the uh, the events going on through Ahsoka's point of view was pretty interesting and and satisfying. Um, so, um, yeah, the the show it's hard to believe that the Clone Wars started in uh, two thousand eight. That long ago. Wow. And, uh, well, it started with the movie and, uh, and then, you know, I think right away we knew it was going to be a series, but I don't think there was any downtime there, um, or any question there. So yeah, it was a series, uh, it was movie first and then a series and all this available is, is all available on Disney plus, um, actually Disney plus, uh, this week also, um, you know, uh, put in the last, uh, movie. Uh, so all the Skywalker movies, the whole saga now, available on disney plus i think everything is on disney plus now even is solo there yeah yes Yes. okay so so yeah everything star wars is now on disney plus um and so no need to go elsewhere for your entire star wars needs um and those folks who are really digging clone wars uh should definitely if they haven't already check out rebels because uh it does a lot of things that uh, play out here in, in Clone Wars will be followed up in Rebels. We will see some very familiar characters uh, again, and uh, that's always fun. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting season. I liked the the first two stories; they were fun. But then, of course, the last story that they told was really epic and uh, in scope and in delivery. It was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And it was it was epic. I was on pins and needles the last two episodes because I was just waiting for Order 66 huh. and how it was going to play out. Because you, you knew that Rex and company was going to turn. Oh, exactly. And it's like, and you saw what happened in, you know, Revenge of the Sith, all the other Jedi. And I got I was, to cut down a lot quicker than... Uh... Ahsoka fought him off a lot more, you know, but then again, you know, I think it's, in some ways it makes a lot of sense because uh, they've, they've never been shy about showing how powerful Ahsoka Tano is. I mean, she, you know, she beat Darth Maul. Um, Oh, not easily, but she did. But she did. Right. Yes. And it was, it was pretty amazing. That was a great battle between the two of them too. And then to find out that they did, uh, rotoscoping on it that they captured his images and stuff the actor who actually played darth maul yeah they used uh ray park's choreography on uh on maul's uh lightsaber battle which was pretty cool yeah so it was it was pretty it was cool to see and i you know i'm glad you know she was able to rescue rex and oh i guess we should have said spoilers if we had if no one's seen this yet oops but I guess we, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, yeah. we, we're hoping that you've already seen it. But, yes, uh, hope so. Um, but yeah, if was, not, you can skip ahead in the show notes to the where the we talk about Star Trek. We'll put in the show notes that there's spoilers in this section, and there's going to be spoilers also when we talk about Picard. So, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see you know what they do with her on the Mandalorian because it was pretty amazing how they you know finished up the storyline how she threw the lightsabers down and everything and then vader found them that was pretty cool 
Yep. So, so the Clone Wars is at an end. Uh, you're right. Star Wars uh, made some announcements today. Uh, Lucasfilm made some announcements today. The biggest probably is that um, uh, Taika Waititi, who has also um, directed an episode of The Mandalorian, he directed the finale, the season finale of The Mandalorian, which was among awesome. many other things, of course. Yes. Uh, um, he has uh, been uh, assigned, uh, or he is now uh, announced to be direct and co-write a Star Wars feature film for a theatrical release. Um, and uh, yeah, he will um, co-write that, um, I believe with, um, oh, I know it was announced, sorry, uh, Christy Wilson-Carnes, who was, yes. uh, uh, she, um, she received a BAFTA recently for her uh, work on 1917. Mm-hmm. So, Thanks. So you and got that, two Oscar winners, or an Oscar winner and a BAFTA winner. Uh, uh, they are they are working on a new feature. Uh, nothing is known about when this takes place, what it's going to be about, anything like that. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, so, but all we know is that there's two talented people involved, and they also announced that um, uh, an, a writer, um, an Emmy nominated writer, uh, Leslie Headland. Uh, she worked on Russian Doll, which I believe is a show you like. Love the show. Yeah, we announced that a couple, about a week ago. They made the informal announcement and they formalized it today. But yeah, that she's working on a Star Wars project also. She will write, executive produce, and serve as showrunner for a Disney Plus series, uh, Star Wars. Uh, uh, I think it's live action. Don't know anything more than that, though. It's yes. untitled. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And any more about that. No, it's pretty cool. And it's, I I love Russian doll and I've loved what they've done with the first season of it. We should be getting the second season fairly soon. I think it's filmed already. So I'll be very curious to see what happens with that. And I, I think it, star Wars is in great hands, especially because they're all going towards new projects. I know there's a project about the high Republic coming out. And I also know that, you know, of course they're still talking about doing more animated series. And so it should be cool to see. Yeah. The, uh, I think uh, the only two series that I'm aware of is that they are uh, working on a uh, Obi-Wan's Kenobi series Correct. Uh, with, and that's directed by uh, one of the uh, directors of The Mandalorian. I think she directed two episodes? One episode for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, so she's in charge of that. Uh, and then there's one uh, coming out based uh, uh, that's going to uh, focus on uh, Cassian, I believe. Cassian Andor, who is f- from uh, Rogue One, uh, Star Wars Story. So, yes, it's like uh, it's obviously a prequel. Um, yeah, spoilers for Rogue One. Um, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> um, and uh, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, we, um, uh, so that's those are the only um, two uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that they are putting most of their efforts uh, with Star Wars now on Disney Plus. Um, but, uh, this was the, I think since they did the, you know, there was a lot of announcements about where they were going to go with movies 
over the last few years, but all the, I don't think any of those really came to fruition. So we'll see if this uh, feature that uh, YTT is signed to do, if that happens. Um, but um, uh, yeah, they're still going forward and making new Star Wars, which I think we all are not surprised by. <laughs> I mean, we might have put an end to the Skywalker saga, but uh, uh, the the Star Wars franchise is with Disney, and they are not going to let it go anytime soon. Oh no, the force is very strong with them right now. <laughs> very strong, yes. Yeah. So, and it sounds like they've got some really, really talented people uh, working on these projects. So, we'll be very curious to see. Um, obviously, the the YTT feature will probably be very a very humorous take at the Star Wars universe, I would imagine. But you know, I don't want to take anything for for granted. But uh, that's usually his specialty. So, no, exactly. And you know what? I'm going to be very curious to see because it it would be kind of nice to see some a little bit more lighthearted Star Wars stories. Because damn it, there's been very, very heavy crap coming out of that lately. <laughs> well, you know, we've just spent uh, a lot of time with the Clone Wars talking about the the lead up to, uh, you know, uh, Order 66 and all that. So that was pretty intense. So, yes, yeah, something that would be light in the mood is is definitely on the, on the uh, welcome on the menu. Oh, God, yes. I would definitely love to see it. You know, that's one of the big things, you know, some of the people have said about star wars is that you know it doesn't sometimes need to be so heavy that there in like some of the early star wars like episode four and part of episode five there was some more there's some lighter humorous parts to it that didn't include ewoks and stuff like that you know so it would it's pretty awesome to you know be able to have a little bit lighter star wars stories out there because most of them were pretty dang heavy and you know also with you know all fighting and all battles or destruction and everything and it's yeah good versus evil but you need to have some lightheartedness to it also to make a good story and i think that's what they're trying to do it seems like well yeah i mean it seems like that's one direction they can go in so um i think they're they're spreading uh you know their wings though they're they're sort of uh, you know, obviously the Mandalorian's been compared to a more of a, a Western or samurai, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub series. So that's that's got that genre sort of uh, on tap. The um, the one that's uh, featuring uh, uh, Cassian Andor is going to be more of a spy thriller, uh, so to speak. Uh, that's the word there. And then, of course with Watiti signed to do a film, uh, that's probably going to be more humor-based. So it looks like they're going in a lot of different directions. They're, they're not just sort of sticking to the, uh, you know, the original series as being the template. They're just going to uh, explore the, the Star Wars universe and see where it goes. Exactly. So let's hear and hope to good things. Cross your fingers, cross your lightsabers, off to the future with the Force. And with that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're going to go look at the other side of the coin and look at Picard. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. At the time of recording this blurb, it is actually May the 4th. That's right, it's Star Wars Day. 
Star Wars Day is basically just a fun little unofficial holiday based on the pun, may the fourth be with you. And it's just a cool way to celebrate Star Wars, maybe rewatch some of the movies. But Disney Lucasfilm also really got fans talking today because they dropped a major announcement about the future of Star Wars. I've been waiting a while to see what the next big theatrical release from the Star Wars universe will be now that the Skywalker saga is over. Lucasfilm has had a little bit of creative upheaval in the last couple years in terms of directors and writers being brought on and then let go, different creative differences, and so it seemed like the future was a little murky, not quite sure what the creative direction would look like moving forward for the movies. So, but they have an announcement now. It's from StarWars.com, so it is legitimate. We're going to have as director and co-writer Taika Waititi, who is known for Thor Ragnarok and working on The Mandalorian, and also a co-writer with Christy Wilson-Carnes. Now, of course, I'm excited about the announcement of a new Star Wars movie. I mean, I would already be pre-ordering my ticket if they would let me. I would say that I had just a few mixed feelings, just kind of based on the fact that Thor Ragnarok is not my personal favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I thought there were a couple moments in that movie that the humor just kind of took me out of the story, and it felt like the humor undercut some of the more serious emotional moments. And I'm personally not as interested in seeing like a Thor Ragnarok style movie within the Star Wars universe. Again, that's just my personal opinion. If you feel differently, that is awesome. But yeah, so I always like to keep an open mind though. And I think it's great to bring fresh new perspectives into Star Wars. So I think Taika is super talented and he really will do a good job. I'm also super excited about Christy Wilson Kearns coming in to co-write just because it's great to see another woman being involved in the creative process at Lucasfilm. This is something they've needed to do a little bit better job on in terms of bringing diversity behind the camera. So this is why this announcement is so great. Um, Christy Wilson-Carnes, in case you don't know, also worked on the movie 1917, which I really, really loved and is one of my favorite movies that came out in theaters fairly recently. It's unique in that I think it's able to take this big, epic war movie, but also make it feel intimate and personal. And it's such a powerful film, and I'm really excited to see that type of film told within the Star Wars universe. So I think it's definitely a good one to look forward to. And as for when we'll see it, you know, that is probably still up in the air a little bit. We don't know how the COVID-19 pandemic will continue to impact our world, but it is really cool to have some happy news to look forward to. So overall, this announcement seems to be very well received. So I'll be excited to hear more about it as we move forward into the future. And that's all the box office news I have this week. It still feels weird as we're coming up to summer movie season and there aren't any big blockbusters to talk about, but thankfully we still got great stuff on streaming services. And in the meantime, if you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website, 
This week, I wrote a Star Wars Day companion post about what Star Wars means to me personally as a fan. What's new on the 42 cast? Let's ask my co-hosts. We're talking about Doctor Who. Comic book shows and movies. And we're talking about all things Star Trek. (laughs) And so much more. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. It's only on the 42 cast. Your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So, Nathan, when are we finally talking Babylon 5? Fifteen years ago, today, you led us out of the darkness. You commanded the greatest rescue armada in history. Then, the unimaginable. What did that cost you? Your faith? Your faith in us? Your faith in yourself? Tell us. Why did you leave Starfleet, Admiral? Time to be greeted with old friends. It's ESO back again, and we are here to talk all about Star Trek, Picard. It's the first time they've actually had, you know, a show named after just one character. It's pretty cool for the Star Trek universe. Take it away, Mikey. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got some cool folks to uh, join us to talk all about the series that aired exclusively on CBS Access streaming service. Uh, first of all, we've got back with us uh, Michael Faulkner. Michael, welcome back to the station. Well, thank you for having me. You know, it's always been a quest of mine to be one of the cool kids, and now, now well, I officially am. I mean, this no, is no, wonderful. That, that, no, no, that's <laughs> not. This is not uh, a, a litmus test for how cool you are. So, oh, okay. uh, uh, getting together with some, some geeks and talking about Star Trek, uh, at least in my mind, in my, in my day, was never uh, what the cool kids did. So, uh, but it's cool to talk to you nonetheless. How are things going with creative criticality? Well, I'll get it out. One of the Say it ones. 10 times facts, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Creative criticality. We're doing pretty good over here. Um, I've been uh, working on the, the timestamps project still with Doctor Who, watching that uh, through, you know, it's no longer the first time because I've already been through all the new stuff pretty much, but uh, also been doing some some daily posts with uh, a little bit of historical stuff called uh, The Thing About Today. So it's, it's been pretty fun to just to dig into to Wikipedia and history and kind of figure out what's been going on. Awesome. Yes. Uh, doing great work. And, you know, some of the, some of those stuff with, uh, dealing with, um, reviewing all that, the, the stuff with Dr. Who, I know some of it can get kind of tiresome. So good, good on you for, for taking that task and doing it all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we also have joining us, we, you know, we were looking around for a guest. We finally, uh, looked in the, where the geek seat is and lo and behold, Daryl from the, the, the story geeks is still in the geek seat, Mike. So we, we've got him back uh, on properly on the station. <laughs> I've been trying. It's really tight and my arms are hurting, man. <laughs> but, but, uh, Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me back. Welcome back, sir. See, once I taught you how to make those knots, Mike, nobody gets and, out. And things are doing well. 
land. Is that is that good? Everything's good there. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. We've got uh, you know we're still turning out the shows, digging deep into geek movies and films and stories, and uh, we love doing it. So now I know you guys Fun. are big Star Wars fans over there. Um, do you talk yeah. a lot about Star Trek? You get a chance to, or is this uh, you're, you're venturing out into in some different territory for you here? You know, it's it's not different territory for me. We've we've done a little bit of Star Trek, but and we've got some of our listeners who are just dying to hear more of it. It's just such a big world, you know? Mm. So it's like, what do we tackle? And everybody likes a different corner of it too. So sometimes it can be a, a daunting task. So I'm glad I get to come here and talk with you guys about it. Well, we're glad to have you as well. Uh, and this is going to be great. Uh, you know, watching uh, this series was, was uh, very cool for me. Um, I had been, to, to be honest, I've been tapped out of Star Trek for a little while uh, due to some, uh, you know, decisions that have been made uh, for them on the show. And I just wasn't, wasn't feeling it for a while. But uh, I went into Picard, with, I saw the pilot because they released the, well, I shouldn't say the pilot because they knew they were going like, to, it wasn't like they had to sell the show. Um, but uh, I saw the first episode because they released that, uh, I believe, free on YouTube. So I watched that and, and I got to admit, I was hooked. I was, it was glad to see Patrick Stewart back and a very, uh, you know, old, uh, familiar skin, so to speak. Um, what were your expectations yes. going into this series? We'll start with you, Daryl. Um, you know, I had watched uh, the first two seasons of Discovery. So I had sort of already dipped my toe into the new Star Trek world. So I was sort of expecting this to be on par with that level of storytelling, mm-hmm. but much more personally impactful to me because you know i watched picard when i was a kid so and uh, my expectations were completely met that's exactly what it was it was great storytelling that had a lot of weight to it because it was jean-luc picard absolutely yeah i mean just by his very presence i mean i think patrick stewart always adds even when he like does a voice on like family guy or something it's kind (laughs) of like oh this has got some weight to it now uh michael faulkner what about you yeah, I, I had some, uh, I guess, some decent expectations with Discovery Season 1 and 2, you know, being under my belt with uh, with the CBS All Access era of Trek. And, uh, you know, knowing the kind of more weighty storytelling they were bringing to the fold in the the post-J.J. Uh, Abrams type, you know, universe. Um, you know, just trying to to set themselves apart from what they what we had seen before, you know, with that, uh, that Kelvin timeline kind of thing. Um, but I also kind of felt like it was, like you said, it was kind of like, uh, getting back into a, a comfortable pair of pants, I guess, you know, where you, you've had Picard, who's a very popular character, um, you know, and next generation was a really popular series and, and they, they really established what that, that era of Trek was all about. Um, and I was really hoping it wasn't going to be like a, you know, one of those 20 year reunion type shows where everyone just shows up and waves and like, Hey, you know, it's good to see you again. And then bounces out and there's not much meat on the bone. Um, but I really didn't know what the what the the plot was going to be either. It was just Picard's going to go solve a mystery. Okay, great, let's go do that. <laughs> you know, so I was all in just on. Okay, you've got Patrick Stewart, you've got the the Discovery team kind of helping out with this. Let's see what you're going to bring. Let's see what's going to happen here. And I was pleased. Uh, Mike, what about you? Because I think you were um, a latecomer to the series. I was. I was. I did see the pilot uh, when it was free on YouTube. Also and loved every second of it but i was a little iffy about getting picard um because cbs all access 
was just like another streaming service. Do I have to go for it and everything? But I was like, it's Star Trek. Come on. And then the other side of my head was like going, Discovery. Eh. You know, I've heard good and bad about it from different people. But I was a huge next gen fan. And so Judy and I did decide to pull the you know, pull the trigger and basically go ahead and do it. And we loved it. We watched the whole series, I think, in three days. It was just awesome to watch. And we we had a blast at it. Well, it didn't hurt that, you know, things being what they are, uh, CBS Access made themselves free uh, for a month. Uh, uh, so that was that was pretty much a, a no-brainer for me then uh, as far as going to check it out. Um, so, yeah, I uh, look, I knew that um, even though uh, I trusted Patrick Stewart and his involvement in it, um i'm not a big kurtzman fan um so um so that kind of troubled me as well as uh, some of the other things i was confused as to why this wasn't a next generation series but it was more focused on picard but as soon as i saw the the first episode um like i said and and what they what what really struck me was they took they took the elements that uh that sort of that were focused or central to Picard in next generation, that his, his dealings with data in particular, his, his relationship with data, his, his experience with the Borg. And of course, how the, the Romulans were the big nemesis for all, uh, all during his time as captain. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting, at least premise to bring those three things together uh, in a storyline uh, that uh, would hopefully conclude pretty well. So um, right away, the premise uh, premise uh, intrigued me. I had a little difficulty figuring out, trying to figure out if this, you know, um, when this took place, because as we see in the last episode of Next Generation, um, uh, you know, Picard uh, is working on uh, the, uh, the, the winery, uh, he's working there and uh, um, he's quite older. So I didn't know if this was going to be before that, after that. Um, to be honest, I haven't really figured that out in my head. Does, does anybody know that? Mike, you're, Michael Faulkner, you're pretty good at, at continuity stuff. Is this, do you know when that <laughs> takes, takes place? Um, yeah, I believe that the, uh, it was stated in all good things that the, the realities that Picard saw in that, the three that were, you know, the, the, orig- the, encounter a far point type thing the all good things part and then the 25 years in the future were all basically just test scenarios or developed by q or something along those lines uh so it's it's like a, a potential future in that episode gotcha he gotcha. may never develop that eremotic syndrome he may never go back to the, the vineyard that kind of thing you know and we see that some elements have, have passed through to this show but not all of them have right yes yes yeah you're right right there um so uh so we get introduced to reintroduced to Picard right away. Um, there's a lot of uh, nice little nostalgia touches in, in the beginning. Uh, but this is, even though that we were familiar, we're, you know, we're reunited with Picard. This is a very different Starfleet. It's a very different Federation. It's a very different time from when we last saw the folks at next generation. Um what did you feel about that, Daryl, as far as it being when it takes place and, and what the universe was like? I was super intrigued. Um, I always I was always wondering, like, what comes after the next generation, because it seems like after next generation, 
the stuff that we got was all prequel stuff, right? Like enterprise and things yeah. like that. And so I always wanted to know, well, what, what's next, what's in the future. So it's cool to see that. And, um, you know, something else I was thinking too, is I watched some Voyager and I had a hard time getting into that one. And, um, I tried again when they brought seven of nine in, cause I thought it was a cool concept to have like a former Borg character, you know? Yeah. But again, it just didn't connect with me all that much. So when I saw that she and Hugh were both going to be in Picard, I was like, I'm sold. I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait for that. And true, and they were like kind of some of my favorite parts of it. Like I really enjoyed the new crew too, but it was cool to see some old familiar faces. And Ichib, even though he's not wearing the same face, Ichib uh, is, is in this as well uh, from Voyager. So uh, I don't know if you remember that character. But if you no, that's Voyager. too deep a cut for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, yeah, um, uh, that's the one that, um, that she has to uh, relieve of his pain. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, but he was not the same actor. Um, but, uh, okay. uh, but um, yeah, that was a... Uh, a Borg, a child that she had sort of uh, taken under her wing during the, during the course of Voyager. Um, mm, I think there were three of them that yes. she took under. Yeah, yes. the, the baby Borg. Yeah. The baby Borg. Yeah. The, Borg <laughs> the Borg kids. Uh, the little rascal Borgs. Uh, all right, we'll stop that. Uh, but um, <laughs> so, so uh, Michael Faulkner, what about you? What about sort of the, you know, the environment, uh, the, what's going on with the, what the future looks like? Because yes, as Daryl pointed out, this is the first time, really, we see uh, post-next-generation Star Trek, what the, what the universe looks like. Yeah, it was interesting to me. It was, it was a little jarring, I guess, because, you know, Starfleet's no longer the Starfleet we knew, say, 20 years ago with, with no. NextGen and, and Nemesis and all that, right? But, um, but at the same time, it took me a few minutes to think it, think it through. And one thing Star Trek has always done for us is showing us a mirror on ourselves, on the human condition, and kind of where we are with respect to to our growth in the modern day. And so to see a Starfleet that that is a little more xenophobic and, and is, you know, talking about closing down boundaries and, and getting rid of certain people and, you know, we've been attacked and that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you're you're putting us right on the political footing that we are right now. You know, you oh, are. You, it was so familiar. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when they were. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it does a good job of, of putting us under the lens and saying, this is how people are seeing you. You know, are, can you work through it like these guys have worked through their problem? And so by the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, this this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what about you? Do you feel the same way? Oh, I, I agree exactly with Mike Faulkner. It's, you know, it was taken right out of today's political climate, the xenophobia and everything with, you know, being anti, you know, of course, android. And, you know, with good reason, you know, they had the colony on Mars was destroyed by, you know, androids. They rebelled, something happened to them. And it was, you know, it was interesting because there was a, a scene later in the season. And I know we'll probably get into a few, but if androids were around, they could have saved Riker and Troy's son. And it was kind of heartbreaking. But this was not the federation that I was used to seeing and everything that, you know, you 
you got hints in it throughout Star Trek, especially Deep Space Nine, you know, about, you know, when they were going to war and, you know, they were turning their backs on certain things and such. And you saw the inkles of it. But I love how this also tied into the whole thing with the new Star Trek universe that they created, because that's the reason Spock went over into the past was, you know, because the Romulan homeworld was destroyed and, you know, he went through the time warp and it was just, it was Again. interesting to see. Exactly. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> You're so funny, Mr. Mike. <laughs> yeah, I could. It, it's just a step to the left, but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was, it was great. And, you know, I liked seeing this world and it felt so good to see Picard back. It's like, it was from the very first scene where you see him in the vineyard. It was just like, ah, you know, like that. But then it took off into directions I couldn't have even guessed. Yeah. Um, I must admit it's not, it's not my thing. Uh, I don't, um, I don't, I understand the, the con, I understand the, the need for creative folks to create drama. And I understand that, uh, you know, having a, uh, environment that, uh, you know, uh, mirrors our political spectrum, our social political spectrum now is easy, makes it a little bit easier for people to identify, identify with, but, um, you know, uh, it's not, it's not what I uh, believe about Star Trek anyway. So, um, uh, when I was watching Star Trek before, it was always, it was always a future that we, we sort of, uh, was idealized was something that we could hope for, you know, it gave us hope for, for, uh, that things would be better in the future and not the same old crap. And, um, uh, and so it does take, it did seem like it was taking a step back. Um, so, you know, the fact that, that, you know, um, Picard can't get any help from Starfleet and not just from one person, like from the entire Starfleet. I'm like, really? So like all those characters that we've ever met before that are now in positions like Janeway and such, nope, they're just going to, like, he can't go to them either. Nope. All Starfleet's against him. It just seemed too, too convenient for that uh, for that purpose for me. So, uh, but that said, um, you know, the storyline intrigued me enough that, uh, I accepted, you know, I accepted that the, this is Kurtzman and, and, uh, Chibon's and Goldman's, uh, Star Trek now. This is how CBS does Star Trek now. So I just have to either to, to watch it and live with it or, or just, you know, not watch it. <laughs> so, so, uh, and I chose to watch it because again, um, the story was interesting and the characters look watching Patrick Stewart and I've seen Patrick Stewart play a lot of different roles and it's not like he is the same in every role. It's not like when he plays Xavier, he's the same character as he is as Picard. And so watching him get into that suit, like, you know, uh, metaphorically, again and and dealing with starfleet and dealing with data like talking about data and everything i mean that 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 is just so welcoming to me and 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 that that made up for a lot uh as far as i was concerned we talked about some of this stuff when you were on our show a couple of weeks ago and you yes. were talking about how it's it's not the utopian star trek that we've seen before right and i understand that um, that's a, i'm sorry I, I understand that's a that's a that's a plus for some people it's a, a plus for me. You know what I like about it? I mean, I, I you know, it's a personal opinion, obviously, but 
what I like about it is I feel like when you start to poke holes in that, as far as Starfleet concern is concerned, you can then really see that hope and that positivity and that optimism in Picard specifically, because that he can't, you know, now Star, Starfleet's a little darker, things are darker, the world's harsher, but he hasn't lost his hope and his optimism. And I like seeing that contrast. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, there's a balance there too. Like, you know, the, the 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 Roddenberry ideal of of there not being any conflict among humans and then going out to teach that to everyone else is is kind of boring in a in a storytelling sense. Like there has to be conflict for for a story to occur. But on the other hand, it didn't go as dark as say Star Trek Into Darkness, where you know it's <laughs> yeah, oh, just, thank God it's just <laughs> gloom and doom everywhere. You know, so I, there is a balance that has to be struck there, and I, I think Picard has done done a, a good job of, of hitting that balance, even more than Discovery has. See, I, I think it, I think it's still over the top. I think it's still like, cause everybody we meet, everybody we meet is broken. All the characters that we've seen before in the past are all broken. Everybody is broken in this universe. It's not a happy place to be. This is not the ideal future that I want to live in. Now, do they make decisions and, and are, do, are they working through their pain? And is there some hope? Yes. But the fact that they're all, you know, in, in periods uh, or have experienced these periods of, of, of just dis- despair, um, really kind of, uh, you know, it, it depresses me actually. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it's very sad. Uh, I'm very sad. It's sort of like, not unlike, uh, you know, Star Wars, when you watch Force Awakens and you realize that the, the main characters that you grew up with in the original series, um, have all failed to keep the order of the universe <laughs> and 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 these heroes that you put on a pedestal are just like you know broken people it's it's very hard to take and i felt a little bit of that with this as well uh, i'm i'm going to now that's not to say that when i saw you know uh riker and troy and seven and hugh and other characters you know and and all that data i wasn't like thrilled um because you know, the actors bringing those characters back to life is just, it, it is like comfort food, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, and there were tears, you know, I needed tissue uh, when I was watching this because uh, uh, some of it was pretty emotional. Um, you know, they pulled on the nostalgia strings pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about the new characters, though. I want to see if uh, who who you liked and who you didn't like, maybe. But uh, moreover, who you liked, as far as you know, uh, Picard's got a new crew. Oh, he gets we meet some new people, uh, both good and bad, in this series. Um, Daryl, we'll start with you. Who who stood out for you? Who did you like? Um, I really like the new crew. I think um, I really like Allison Pill's character, um, Doctor Agnes Gerardi. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really cool. And um, I also really like Rafi, the first one that he recruited. No, Rafi is awesome because obviously she has a history with Picard, and yeah. and it's it's awesome because she's a loose cannon because she obviously has issues with substance abuse, and she's just she's just she's awesome, and she so looked up Picard, you know, looked up to him, and basically he let her down. Yeah. By resigning from Starfleet. Yeah. And then I think the other one for me is not a new character, but um, for me, I feel like they're finally giving a version of seven of nine that 
I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so badass. So badass. She is uh yeah, she is she is great. Uh uh Michael Faulkner, what about you? What's your uh, the, new, the new crew? Uh, well, I, I totally agree on seven. Uh, she, she has grown up so much since the end of Voyager. It's just, it's just amazing to see how far they have brought that character. Um, I was a big fan of Rios and all of, all of his holograms, um, just because. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I loved how each one had a different personality. Yeah. And, and yeah it was, that was cool. It was fun to see, like, you know, he, if I remember right, he, he programmed those, all those, those holograms. So they were all aspects of himself. And the fact that, that Santiago Cabrera was, was, you know, able to channel all of those different characters as an actor. He's just, he's just amazing. That's amazing work. Um, the one I, I, I didn't like so much was, was actually Agnes Girati. And it's not Alison Pill. Alison Pill did a great job with, with what she had. Um, but I was just, I was angry with that character because she, she was, <laughs> she went down that road of, you know, okay, okay she's going to help out with everything. And then she commits cold blooded murder and never has a moment to to be you know taken aback by it to be be penalized or punished for what she did at the end of the series or the season she's just like okay whatever cool we're going off on the starship for another adventure it's like no the woman is a murderer <laughs> she needs to, she needs to serve time for her crime and they 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 played with it like okay we're gonna drop you off at the star base and we're gonna move on and she's like okay that's great and then nothing ever happens from it and i thought mm-hmm. it was just this dangling thread that that was very irritating it was infuriating well, well had, part of her for me might have been just the fact that I discovered her as an actress at like in multiple ways all at the same time. Cause I also watched devs on, on FX that she's well, in and she's fantastic in it. <laughs> and then last night I rewatched Snowpiercer and realized, Oh my gosh, she's in Snowpiercer too. I, wow. I met her. I met her with Scott Pilgrim actually when she was the drummer. Mm. Oh, she's in Scott Pilgrim, man. <laughs> yep. I've seen that too. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. No, my, the characters for me, uh, I loved all of them. You know, each one of them was very strong. I loved, you know, I loved basically, I loved Rafi. I didn't know what to make of her at first, but then her character grew and you saw her pain and what she was going through and how she got to that point. It was it was heartbreaking in some ways, but you know she also felt let down by Picard, and she was like, you know, his shining. She was the shining star for you know Picard was always her like high beam, and she was like had all these conspiracy theories about the Romulans being behind everything, and you know, and it was just it was awesome to see her character grow throughout the season and everything, and I think a lot of these characters you saw a lot of growth. Through it, even Narek. Yeah, I mean they do. They do a really good job with um, giving everybody uh, something to do. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that was. uh, You know, I think. um, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they they definitely gave everybody kind of a little story arc, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, to none of them were the main ones. A lot of them, but uh, they're still there. Um, I was. I will agree with Mike Faulkner though. Uh, Agnes should have been dropped on an asteroid somewhere and just left <laughs> you know um uh a couple then I, they go back and search for her in season three exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the search just, for agnes yeah exactly. um 
uh, I, I also uh, will add to the, your list. Um, uh, I liked uh, Ashy, uh, Asha, right? Both both versions um, yes. shocked me when uh, uh, the the first daughter died at the in the first episode. Yeah, in yeah. the very Gosh. first episode, I was yeah, like, that was I was like, like <gasps> Yeah, that character really... was so cool. <laughs> For me, the second version didn't quite live up to it. I was like, I want the first one back. Here's the key to all this, and she's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I was like, man, what? A... And then it's like, oh, no, there's another one. We got a backup. We got a backup here. Uh, they're just androids. Don't worry about it. We got backups. Um, so, um, uh, but I-, I thought she it was compelling as, as a, you know, a, a a, a daughter of data um you know you've got to have that sort of element there and i i think she she brought it um and i and i found her story compelling um and mixed together with um uh the uh Narek, right the the romulan mm-hmm. that yeah. uh that seduces her and everything and uses her uh, um uh and i thought uh, you know, Narek, uh, speaking of that, is it was great. Uh, I thought he was a great foil, a uh, guy that you just is kind of creepy because you just know like, he just gives that creepy vibe right from the beginning. Oh, from um, the very first time you see him, it's like, Ugh. yeah. Um, gosh, uh, and I'd seen him, you know, it took me a little while because I was like, oh my god, it's you know, is it's Victor from uh, Penny Dreadful. Um, so I know I can't trust him because any, you know, but it's interesting that he's like, you know, uh, in another environment where he's dealing with this sort of synthetic monster. So I thought that was kind of fitting, but, um, and then also we haven't mentioned Elner who I thought was pretty cool too. Uh, the, the, the Romulan warrior. Uh, yeah. So Space Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, oh, I thought he was awesome. He was, but. You know, it's interesting. It's like, oh, they've got a warrior who's not a, a Klingon for a change. You know, that's interesting. Uh, so, uh, um, but um, no, I thought that was cool. And uh, what were some of the moments in in the episodes that, because, uh, yeah, we don't have time to go episode by episode, but were some of the key moments of the story, episode character arcs that really struck with you through the series, uh, Daryl? Well, I mean, I appropriately for me the star of the show really was Jean-Luc I feel like his journey was the most intriguing to me um one of my favorite moments was when Riker came to the rescue at the end mm-hmm. and that um, was a fist pump that was a total oh my gosh <laughs> just threatened to kick the Romulan's ass I was like oh yes <laughs> that's that's our Riker yes the only thing um, that was missing that he wasn't like strutting, he wasn't standing there like with his Captain Morgan pose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and try me. Make yeah. my day. And then I think my the other important journey for me um, to kind of echo what Mike Faber said earlier is, was just Rafi and kind of seeing all the different stages that she goes through. And you kind of wonder for a while, can you trust her? And it's like, oh, no, okay, we can trust her, you know. And it's just... I'm excited to see what they do with her in season two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Faulkner, what about you? Uh, one of the things that stood out to me was, uh, was Elnor. You know, we talked about yeah, space Legolas there, but um, he he was interesting to me because he was trained in that martial art that only the the nuns or you know had had knowledge of, and and he being an orphaned you know male child, you wouldn't expect that he would pick that up, but he since he lived there. 
they, they just said, okay, you're here. We're going to train you in that. And he was actually a very valuable member of the crew. One of the things that, that I really loved was Deanna Troy, where, you know, she, she basically took Picard aside and set him aback when he was, you know, understandably very frustrated at, what, at the scenario and everything else that's going on. And no one's coming to his rescue and no one's coming to help him. And he's being very brash, you know, trying to figure out what, what the secret is with, with the, the Asha twins. And Deanna just takes him aside and says, I couldn't tell you this as a counselor and smacks him down. Like, you know, I couldn't do this when I was on your ship, but you're on my planet now. <laughs> you're in my house. That's, yeah. Literally. I, I really liked that that moment for her because she was really, you know, able to take that kind of power and say, you're out of line. You know, Captain, you're out of line. <laughs> their, their, their kid was uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, getting to know the, the, the Rikers kid was fun. Um, Michael, what about you? Mike, I should say. Oh. Faulkner or Faber? There's too many mics here. <laughs> Faber. Oh, okay. Director, sir. Yeah, that's better. I like that. That's that. That makes more sense. Uh, there are so many different storylines. I love the characters of the two Romulans that were working with Picard on, at the vineyard. I mm. love them. I thought they were very nice. I was surprised that they didn't go on the journey with him in some ways. And of course, Judy would have to say her favorite new character is number one, but you know, (laughs) that totally makes makes sense. But, but it was interesting because I loved how the storyline, every time anyone of the Borg saw John Luke, it was the cutest. Mm -hmm. And that was a really nice touch. That was really well done. Um, I loved the storyline of seven of nine. And showing how, you know, damaged she was and, you know, that she had a vendetta against, you know, the woman who was trying to get the Borg parts. And it was, it was just awesome to see that. And then, you know, Riker, you know, retired. It was just, it was cool to see. I wasn't a hundred percent, you know, thrilled with the ending a a bit um, with, you know, Picard passing away and, now having a robotic body and everything. Yeah, that, yeah, I was going to, yeah, we we'll, <laughs> talk about that. That is not, yeah, that's kind of weird, but, um, but yeah, uh, but there was, there was enough other storylines. I liked how each, like I said, I loved how each character grew and I loved how you found out the backstory of the captain of the ship and how he was, you know, how he was in Starfleet and, you know, they met the original set of androids coming as emissaries and they had to be destroyed and everything. It was, it was really well done. I, uh, I have been, Ooh, ever since, uh, Q who I have been a huge Borg fan, uh, just love them as, as a, as a foil, uh, and, and an entity. And, uh, certainly there are times where they were overused or not used. Right. Um, you know, uh, we previously have talked about Voyager and uh, how, um, yeah, sometimes they used it to to sort of they I mean, throwing the Voyager into the Delta Quadrant. You knew they were going to meet the Borg eventually, but uh, when they did so, it was kind of uh, overdone a little bit. But in some cases, some stories were better than others. But um, so I was happy that they were involved with this. I love the idea that uh, this whole Romulan Borg relationship, how the Borg could 
could assimilate almost all races, but for some reason they had a problem with the Romulans. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, they don't really dive into it much, but I, I love that, that idea. Um, the fact that the, the, the Romulans are using this shell as a, as a base uh, of exploration and, and, and doing things with that. I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, I, and, and then of course, seven story. Um, where she's, you know, in this post, we hate Android Federation universe. Uh, she's out there, you know, saying like, you know, no, uh, you know, trying to to make sure that all the the past uh, Borg victims are are taken care of and not being abused and et cetera, et cetera, and 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 on a mission like that. Now, um, and to me, that culminates when she connects to the Borg cube as the queen. Uh, I think um, I was I my mind was blown by that scene that that really I had never in my entire like you know thoughts of Star Trek ever even considered like what that would be like putting her in that position but it was a great idea well executed and I, I just it gave me chills and I was like this is the Borg I remember this is the Borg that creeped me out and I was terrified of it when done properly. And uh, I have to admit that they, they really, um, and then sort of after that, we sort of, you know, get, you know, the, it's the Romulans, it's the, you know, not really the Borg as the bad guys here, but the Romulans are definitely the bad guys. But then of course the last act, the last few episodes are, Oh, nope, the Romulans aren't really the bad guys. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, this sort of um, uh, data um, sort of, I don't know, Android, uh planet is is sort of a weird concept and i don't know if that was well executed as far as the storyline for me um let's talk about the, the the last part of the story and the ending in particular um daryl did it did it satisfy you is there, what did you think about that, all that definitely caught me off guard um <laughs> I, I knew you know they were certainly it certainly seemed like they were building up to him dying at the end yet we knew that there's a season two because he's been talking about season two and they've been booking actors for it. So it's one of those things where, you know, the fourth wall is sort of messing with the story a little bit and you know, it's like, okay, they're going to do something, but it's not going to stick. So yeah, him becoming synthetic is, uh, it is a little weird. Um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, I don't like it. Um, I liked, I liked the story of the series enough to trust them with, with uh my time in season two so we'll see where they take that i hope they use it well and take it to a place that kind of follows up that decision really well but definitely surprising yeah if if they don't do anything with it it seems kind of a waste like why didn't they just either you know cure him or just move on like it I mean, because they made it pretty clear, like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we gave you none of the enhancements of being an android. Yeah. So I you're mean, still going to just live like a human, yeah. but yet we made you, we put you in an android body. I'm sure I mean, they'll do something with it. I mean, we know, we've seen that, I think, uh, LaForge is going to be in season two. We've seen that they've been in talks with, uh, I feel, t- LeVar Burton, there it is. I couldn't remember the name of the actor, mm. but um so that could be an interesting dynamic. You know, he, it was always kind of fun to watch him interact with data. So to see him interact with Picard, knowing that he's now synthetic, that should be kind of cool. Um, 
Michael Faulkner, what about you? What about uh, how did the uh, last sort of act of this uh, huge story uh, for the first series uh, play out with you? They they hung such a huge lampshade on that magic wand replicator thing in in the second to last episode. You know, like all you had to do was imagine it, and this thing does what you want it to. And Rafi knows that, that Jean Luc has a thing in his head. He's been very explicit about it. And so I honestly thought that they were going to wave the magic wand and it would go away because Rafi had the power of something going on. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, the ending itself that they did choose, it took me a while to think it through. Like I, I sat after the episode ended and, okay, why did they do that? Let's, let's work through it. And I thought about it for a while, like, okay, what were the themes, everything else? And to me, it, it really encapsulates uh, John, Jean-Luc's journey with Data. You know, like he fought for seven years plus the movies to really uh, to figure out just how human Data could become because Data's wish was to become human. And they kept crossing and treading that line of, okay, what is, what is artificial versus natural life form? You know, he's got rights because of the trial he went through. He's been learning all these things. He's got emotions now. But Lore did it a little bit better. He doesn't want to be like Lore, you know, and, and really working that, th- that, that whole aspect, even like his mother in the one episode of Next Gen where, you know, she was a synthetic. And then when she found out because she believed the entire time that she was quote unquote real, you know, she, she, when she found out it basically melted her down. She she went ballistic because she, she realized her life was a lie. And so when they, when they capitalized on this, they really took that thread of Star Trek of asking us to to think about, well, what is life? You know, what, what is, is that magic code that you put together for that? And then said, now your hero is one of them. Do you accept that? And it, like I said, it took a while to think about it. And then at the end I was like, yeah, that feels like the culmination of his journey with data. You know, he, he watched him die. He's been guilty for 20 years because data gave his life for him now he has a chance to not only repay data, but then to also make that realization as to what exactly was data's, you know, humanity, if you will. What was what was his his essence as a life form, and and really become that. So I, in the end, I was I was good with it, but it was a long road to think it through. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. I mean, they throw a lot of stuff at you right at the end. You've got this suddenly. You've got this like you know, this concept where we're, we've got this Lovecraftian mechanical thing about to like, you know, enter the universe and destroy everything. And meanwhile, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then meanwhile, and then it just seems like, Oh yeah. And we'll make, you know, Picard a synthetic. Like it just, it it just sort of ends that way. And it's just like, okay, well, I, I think, um, I think I'm curious to see where they go with it as well. If they, you know, if they never speak of it again, then I'm kind of like, what's the point? If they've got ideas for how this can be used in future seasons, then um, I'm I'm curious about that. Uh, Mike Faber, what about you? What about you? What do you think? I thought it was interesting. It was, you know, when you saw the portal open, you saw like the tentacle metal tentacles <laughs> starting to come out and everything. I was like starting to think, what if these were the the race that created V'ger? Yeah, and it was starting. It was like that would have been an awesome tie-in back to all the way back to Star Trek: The Motion Picture. 
and to tie it through with that. But I thought that would have been a little much to end the series on a cliffhanger like that. And, you know, the whole thing with, cause Picard's condition was getting worse and what they were going to try to do with it. And I thought it was, it was interesting to make him a synthetic and, you know, I did like, you know, Picard saying, well, couldn't you let me live in another 10, 20 years extra? You know, I love that. That was just, that was so Picard. And it, it, it was fun. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, this does take place after Westworld. So exactly. Maybe there'll be, maybe there'll be a Star Trek park in, in Westworld. Uh, <laughs> one of the theme parks will be, will be well, Federation world. You um, did see Game of Thrones in Westworld. So, you, you know, exactly. you never know. It could happen. But, I did, I did like it, and I did think it was interesting that you know this creates a whole new dynamic that you know with a brand new crew, a great you know where are they doing? Because you know he hired Rios just to basically take him on this one trip. Is it going to continue with him and that ship, or is it going to be something completely different for the second season? Yeah, I mean that's going to be yeah. Now that he's in space, he's like, you know what? I now that I'm not sick, I'm going to just keep roaming around. Um, and then you know, let the let the two Romulans take care of the winery, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> and then you know, poor number one is just sitting there waiting for his master to come home. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, <laughs> so where do we? Uh, maybe that's one of the things you want to see in season two. We know there's going to be a season two. What do you want to see? Uh, either story wise, character wise. What 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 do you see when it's seeing the future happen with uh Picard season two, Daryl? Um, I think I just wanna I wanna enjoy the new crew. I wanna see them kind of tighten up and and function really well and um maybe learn a little bit more about some of those characters and dive into their backstories a little bit more. Um and I want more uh seven of nine, you know. Maybe we can even get a little hint of some of the journey between Voyager and now it's kind of some of the stuff that she's been through. There um, is talk of a spinoff with her though already. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. She cool. was getting pretty close to Raffi at the end, right? Yeah. They, yeah, they kind of, yeah, that got a little, yeah, that, that, yeah. Was, that, that seemed like kind of thrown in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Then this yeah. happened. What? Oh, yeah. And we're cool too. So here it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think it would be fun to see more cameos from the Trek world too. Like I know they're talking to LaForge. I know, I think Whoopi Goldberg's going to be in it. Um, so it'd be cool to see some other faces pop in. Maybe, maybe Will Wheaton could actually get back on camera and not just do the after show or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, growing up pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he'll be broken. Uh, that's for sure. They all come back. They're all going to be broken. In some way. Well, of course, because Picard has to go, damn it, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Faulkner, what about you? What do you, do you have any idea what could happen or what you want to see in series two? Uh, well, what I'd, what I'd like to see, we, we covered part of it already, you know, with, with the exploration of what this all means for, for Picard, you know, now being in this, this new, you know, new form, this new life form that he's now inhabiting. Um it, it would be neat to see, like we, we, we talked about LaForge, you know, it would be neat to see Guinan also in there because she was one of his closest friends and trying to trying to reason out who he is now um, and maybe even bring in uh, Gates McFadden. You know, one of the big things that was missing from this season was was Beverly Crusher. 
Now it's like, well, well, where is she? You know, she was one of his closest associates, you know, maybe bring her back in and, and they can, you know, work through this new identity with him. That said, I really, you know, we, we've had now the last five adventures of the next gen crew focusing really heavily on data. I want to see them get away from data, you know, seal that box, let it be done. You know, generations, first contact, insurrection, nemesis, and now Picard season one, <laughs> it's, it's all been, here's more data. Like, okay, we've got it. You know, data is very critical. The show's about Picard. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Picard actually, you know, leverage himself as, as an ambassador again and help fix the Federation. You know, we talked about how broken Starfleet and the Federation are, maybe help them try to get past all this and, and, you know, make the reconciliation with the Romulans that is so, so deeply needed and deserved, you know, and get back to helping people instead of just, yeah, you're not one of us, you know, get rid of the xenophobia. That would be really neat to see. Mm. Mike Faber. Well, my feeling is everything with data is done. They pretty much nailed that coffin. No pun intended with, you know, basically, data dying at, you know, finally passing on to whatever androids go to at the very end of this episode. Do they dream of electric sheep? Exactly. (laughs) Well, exactly. But it basically showed, you know, basically that that's where he was going. And I, I thought it was a fantastic ending for him. And I don't think they need to do anything with data anymore. I don't think they need to do anything with that planet. I don't think they need to do anything, you know, with soon sun. And, you know, I just, I don't think they need to go back there. I think it, let's go forward. I like the idea of him being a full ambassador and having a crew to, you know, it's not like they're going on missions to explore, you know, new planets or anything. I just think, you know, they need to fix what's broken in the Federation. And I think they have a long way to go with that. That was one of Patrick Stewart's things he wanted to do with with the post-insurrection movies. If Nemesis had worked out, he wanted to do a tale of him, you know, basically uprooting all the corruption that was in Starfleet and fixing it from the from the very beginning. And I think that'd be a perfect place for this to happen now. I agree completely. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond. And the man he does the show with is named Mark Bernardin. And Mark um, just announced that he's going to be one of the writers for series two of Picard. Hmm. And so it's pretty darn awesome because he's done a lot of other stuff. He's working on He-Man. Um for netflix and then he also did some underneath the dome i think it was or no what was the other stephen king show that they did uh, the whole the whole universe together castle rock yeah he did castle rock and so he did the first worked on the first season of it he was one of the you know writers in the writer room and i know he's gonna be doing that again with picard and they're already started to work on season two but i don't expect to see that till almost 2020 late 2021 at the earliest yeah it's gonna be a while before we see it again and 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 yeah hopefully everybody's uh involved is going to be healthy and able to to continue um well i i i definitely think that uh you know the romulans aren't going to go anywhere as far as uh man for uh you know 
they, they talk about, they spend a lot of time at the beginning talking about how they're just basically, since their home planet broke up, they're just a bunch of refugees and everything. They got a hell of a fleet and that shows up at the end. Um, <laughs> so for, <laughs> for a group of just refugees, I'm like, damn. Um, but it's just like the, the Romulans to like sort of hide the fact that they've got, you know, a strong military presence uh, when they need to. Um, so that's really within their character. Uh, both, of the um, uh, Romulans that are the foils of the season are, as far as I'm concerned, still alive and MIA at the end of the season. So I would not be surprised to see brother and sister back uh, creating some sort of havoc in, if not season two, maybe series three. I think they've, didn't they say there's going to be more or is it just season two? Well, I'm sure there's going to be a series. Yeah. 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 Um, It also also all depends on Patrick Stewart's health. Yeah. yeah well sure um uh um yeah um and you know i certainly don't want uh i wouldn't want them to feel beholden to keep following up with things that you know that next generation started uh, this is something that is a, a series that's not next generation so i i should hope that they feel the the they they can now now that they've got sort of the data story over that they can really you know, do what I think Star Trek is always best at exploring new worlds and exploring something new. Um, so as opposed to fixing what's, what's wrong with Starfleet, I would like to see them explore new things. Um, that's me personally. Maybe, maybe boldly. Mo- yeah. Ex- right. <laughs> you know what? I think that would be something. Uh, <laughs> um, but as we all know, uh, you know, that now that the thing is over with, um, you know, it's all going to be about Spock. I mean, every Star Trek series ends up ultimately being all about, all about Spock. <laughs> That's true. So, so Spock is the one constant to anything Star Trek. Uh, so, which, you know, no, no I, I love Spock. So, but I, like he shows up in everything and it's just like, really? Again? So I would not be surprised to see, you know, Spock in some form uh, show up in, in, in this at all, just because. Uh, but in any case, I will be there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pay for it. I still am not convinced CBS access that I'm going to pay for your service, but, uh, I was entertained by this. So, and, uh, I'm glad you guys were all here to talk about it with us. I appreciate it. Um, and we will be right back after this quick message and we will close out the show. Hey everybody, Michelle here with the iconic rock talk show moment. Things are a little slow in the world of music, for reasons you can imagine. Um, But I do have news about a couple of albums out and in the works. Um, L.A. punk band X have released their first album of new material in 35 years. It's their first with their original lineup since 1985, and it came on the anniversary of their 1980 debut album. They're, They're really into these anniversary moments. Um, anyway, the album is called Alphabet Land, and I talked to an ex-fan over the weekend, and he just loved it. So if you're a fan of X, um, you need to check it out. You can stream and download it at xtheband.bandcamp.com. And also... Another album is in the works by a band that is just totally similar to X in every way. Hall and Oates. Yes, Finn. You heard it here first. Uh, Daryl Hall has, says he's seven songs into a new Hall and Oates album. 
uh, working with producer Jet Rebel, and like everything else these days, everybody's working from home, sending files back and forth. So I guess this one will get here when it gets here. Um, this year actually marks the 50th, believe it or not, anniversary of Hollow Notes, but they, um, their, their tour has been canceled, but um, especially now, they won't be marking it anyway, in any way, because Daryl Hall says, I'm not into celebrations or milestones or awards or any of that crap. So, okay. Don't mark it, Daryl. Whatever. Um, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the first season of Letterkenny, the show on Hulu. So Letterkenny is a Canadian comedy show set in Letterkenny, Canada. It's also about a group of hicks who regularly interact with hockey players, meth heads, Christians, and other social groups throughout the town they live in. The stories are funny, they have some fast-paced dialogue, and they're really easy to follow. The first season focuses on Wayne and Katie, a sister and brother duo who run a farm. Their friends Daryl and Dan also regularly help out at their farm as well. The stories are of the farm working to make money, Wayne being the toughest guy in Letterkenny and him fighting to keep that title, as well as out-of-towners coming in and the cast having to fight or fix any conflicts with them. I really enjoyed this show. The humor is great. They don't really miss any stops with their humor from fart jokes to fighting jokes to jock jokes and so on. It's just really fun to watch and it's a nice getaway from anything too serious that you may have going on in your life. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for joining us tonight. Daryl, you made it through another one. Doesn't mean you're getting out of the geek seat, but you made it through. Dang it. I had high hopes. I had high hopes, but <laughs> Sorry, thanks dude. for having me back. It was really fun to talk with you guys. Anything you want to <laughs> shout out about, sir? Yeah, I bet people just go check out the Story Geeks podcast. Um, uh, you know, with, there's... I would say with my co-host, Jay, but we've got like five hosts now. Like, there's a, there's a whole bunch of us, so... But um, Jay's been on your show with you guys, and uh, we dig deep into geek movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And we've had um, two of the three mics on before, so exactly. <laughs> Mike Faulkner, we'll talk. We'll talk to you. All right, <laughs> um, it's uh, you will be assimilated. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot in common with you guys, and as Jay pointed out on a recent episode, we even share a volunteer in Ashley Paul's. So she does blogging for for us and she does work with you guys as well yes so. the traitor yes yeah <laughs> <laughs>
uh, she's a double agent. I understand. It's cool. No, I love your yeah. show. I listen weekly, all the episodes you guys put out, and it's always fun. And then I get to hear Mike Gordon even more. It's like, oh, great. I know. <laughs> I know. You can never get enough howdies. Oh, so. definitely not. No, but it's great having you on, sir. Thanks. And, of course, Mr. Mike Faulkner. Hey, thanks for having me once one more time. I appreciate it. Anything you got to shout out about, sir? Hey, uh, as, as always, I'll talk about Creative Criticality. That's my website where I, I do the uh, Timestamps Project every Wednesday, uh, looking at Doctor Who one story at a time from the very beginning of the franchise up until, well, until it stops, which may be never. Um, the last one that, we, that I did up there was uh, the two-parter, Silence in the Library and Force of the Dead, which introduced River's song to the, the Doctor Who universe. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun going back and watching that again. Um, that and so much more can be found at creativecriticality.net. Most excellent. It's a great stuff you put out, Mike. Oh, and thank, thank you. you, of course, posting your stuff up on the ESO Network webpage, too. Hey, I appreciate you, you letting me do so. Hey, you know, you pay me 20 bucks. It's awesome. Anyone can post <laughs> anything. It's totally worth it. And Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. He made it through another one, my friend. Anything you got to shout out about. I do. Um, at the risk of bringing the show down just a tad, uh, I, I can't go without saying that, uh, uh, you know, recently um, something very tragic happened to a good friend of the station. Uh, Mr. Bobby Nash lost his younger brother. And um, I just wanted to acknowledge that and, uh, and pay our respects, as well as uh, our thoughts and, and prayers, good wishes, everything uh, it goes uh, goes out to his family, his dad, himself, of course, all his family and friends. Um, it's just a really big tragedy that's happened in this. Uh, so it wasn't COVID nineteen related, but uh, it you know um, it it didn't come at a great time for all of us. Uh, but um, you know it's something that his family's dealing with right now. So um, I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that uh, we, we appreciate him. We love him. And uh, we, you know, we, we, we do what we can to help him get through this. Exactly. And, you know, I was hesitant to bring it up in my shout out. So I'm glad you did it. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll bite that bullet. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, for those people who are listening that know him, uh, I talked to him today. Uh, I went to the visitation and uh you know, he's holding up as well as can be. Uh, he was talkative in good spirits, actually. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be weird for him and different and sad and all the all the emotions that go with that. But um, you know, I'm I know that he can make it through it, and uh, he's got a lot of people like us to help him. So it's a great thing, and he's aware of that. That is awesome. I'm glad you were there for him, and you know, you know, anyone who wants to, you know send them good wishes or thoughts, you know, that's fine. And you can find Bobby up on Facebook or any social media. Bobby is one of the best marketers out there. Yes. So, he hasn't stopped posting. <laughs> no, he has not. <laughs> Through all this, he is still going strong. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, my shout out once again is going to be about the new podcast that's joining the ESO Network. That's right, folks. We are growing again. But this time, it's very familiar faces and voices that are going to be coming your way, and it's exclusive only to the ESO patrons. That's right. The ESO Board Silly podcast is here. It'll be coming to you monthly and exclusive only to the ESO patrons. So it's a great podcast where we're just going to be talking about anything that's on our minds, anything that we want to get off our chests, or something we just want to be silly about. 
you know, Kevin, you know, if from the Flopcast is involved in it, so it's got to involve chicken somehow. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure we're not going to be going any time past, you know, the year 1990 if he wants to be involved in the conversation. So it should be a lot of fun. And it's myself, Mike Gordon, Mary Ogle from the Earth Station Who podcast, Dr. Scott Figay from the Dr. Geek podcast and Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. So it's a great crew and we won't have any guests or anything. It's just going to be us talking and chatting. And like I said, exclusive only to the ESO patrons. And yes, you can join the ESO Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And this will be available to all levels of our Patreon. So for a dollar, $5, $10, $15, whatever you feel like donating, please please we appreciate it and you know it goes to a good cause us you know it keeps us going so it's a good thing speaking of a good thing we are going to be back again next week when we are going to be looking at you ready for this all about eve that's right darren has dared us to watch this movie <laughs> and so we are going to take up the challenge it's and darren, gonna strap yourselves in it's going to be a bumpy show oh god yes because it's darren of course. So it should be a lot of fun. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. Hope you guys are all doing well at home. And, you know, just remember everybody, you know, love the folks you're with. Don't try to get out there too quickly. And, you know, we got a long road ahead of us until things return to normal. On behalf of myself, Daryl, Mike Gordon, Mike Faulkner, thank you for listening to Earth Station One. And we'll see you here next time. Peace. And we're done. Yep. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.